Well, awesome. We are continuing our series that's called Unstoppable. The scripture we're looking at is Matthew 22, uh, the later portion starting at verse uh, 34. So if you want to uh, turn there, um, you know, as you are, I just want to give you a little uh, personal update on us. We um, are turning to make our journey, our way, you know, to uh, Allentown. I feel a little bit like I'm uh, one guy that's in two worlds, you know. Uh, spending kind of the week in, in western New York and then, you know, weekends here. I, I did tell Tammy, I have to tell you that, uh, you know, she kept calling me last night because my, my journey was a little bit later last night. And, uh, you know, I said, man, I said, I, I keep getting more joy the closer I get to Allentown. She goes, yeah, I can tell <laughs> in your voice, you know. Um, but uh, just the way that it is, you know. But uh, we had a big weekend uh, for us, uh, our son Joshua, uh, in his graduation uh, was yesterday morning, uh, and then I had a part in that service, and then, uh, you know, had his party in the afternoon, and everyone kept telling, asking me, like, all day, like, aren't you, like, preaching in Allentown tomorrow? I'm like, yes, you know, so when are you going? I said, yes, you know, <laughs> kind of counting down, like, the whole graduation party, but it was able to, you know, we had it from 2 to 6, I was there till 5.30, you know, and then made the jet uh, here, you know, Buffalo to Allentown, a little over five hours, you know, but, but you could tell I got up, right, and I don't have much voice, so I will go until I have voice, and, uh, well, yeah, you know, maybe we get Pastor Dave do some stand-up comedy if I, uh, you know, end up only getting halfway through. Maybe we can do something like that, or, or we'll just wrap up. So maybe you're just, you know, you're out there praying, yeah, 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 lose the voice, and then we'll, we'll be able to get out here a little bit, uh, a little bit quicker. Um, but uh, just what a blessing being able to wrap things up there. And then also uh, this week, uh, you know, as a part of our journey, um, you know, we're we're selling not one home but two. Uh, back in western New York and so this week we had the same realtor working on both and uh, he called me and said hey you know and went through the the offers that we had for the second house we have one that's sold and then the second that sold this week and uh, so we're just like yes you know Um, I will say you know just since you know saying yes in our candidacy you know God has just given us so many confirmations uh, you know as we've gone through the process and you know, I mean, I feel like ever since the day that, you know, Pastor Carl had asked if, if you know, I, uh, he could submit my resume here for consideration, that ever since that moment, it's like God is like taking our hands for Tammy and I, and it's like, you know, that three or four-year-old, you know what I mean, where the hand's kind of up this way, and you're just kind of following along like this, you know, God has just been doing so many amazing things, and uh, so we thank you for your prayers uh, that uh, just, you know, kind of continue to keep the transition uh, moving forward. So welcome to all of you that are here uh, live and all of you uh, that are uh, on live stream or checking this out later. We're so glad that you're here. Um, So our series is Unstoppable. Uh, We're talking about the church, especially from the uh, Matthew 16, where it says that, you know, that Christ is going to build what? I will build my church. Now, isn't that great? You know, like like Christ says, you don't build my church. He doesn't say, um, you know, I will build your church. Jesus says, I will build my church. This whole thing is his endeavor, right? And we just get to partner with him in it. I mean, sometimes I think, you know, 
ministry is about kind of what we create and what we work on all together. But I will tell you this is that what I've learned from my experience in ministry that some of it is me just keeping out of God's way, <laughs> you know, of, of him doing what he wants to do, right, in people's lives. And, and uh, you know, that's a part of it. You know, Jesus is building his church. And so that's part of the invitation that we have, you know, as his as his church, as his followers, as his children, to say, Lord, help me to see where you're building your church and how might I join in. And then the second part of that verse says, and the gates of hell will not prevail. You know, which is really incredible, isn't it? Right? Because he doesn't say, I will build my church and it will form this wall that will help, you know, evil forces stay out. No, he he says that, you know, the gates of hell will not prevail. That the church is actually on the offensive of furthering the kingdom, helping the kingdom to grow on earth. That is what God is doing, right? And that kingdom is also growing in the hearts of people, you know, as he reaches people uh, with his love. And so this is what the church is doing. And in this way, it is an unstoppable force, really. You know, there, there is, there's nothing that can stand in its way. And so we've been taking different portions of scripture uh, through uh, these few weeks and just kind of looking at, you know, the pictures uh, of the church. Um, and then uh, I think we might ha- still have our, our tree diagram. Thank you very much. And so we looked at Matthew 28 and that important piece, right, of, of going and making disciples. You know, Jesus has given us that commission. He has given us that purpose that for our lives, what we're looking to do is to make disciples. And we do that through going and baptizing and teaching. Right? Helping people to follow him and follow him closely, to be his disciples, to be transformed into his image. And this is the call that he's given the church. The scripture we're looking at today is Matthew 22, kind of considered the great commandment. This is a few different places in the scripture, you know, but this is that idea of, you know, loving the Lord with all that we have. And that as the church grows deep in their love for God and then also is reaching out and making disciples, you know, it's not really an either-or kind of a thing. It's a, it's a both-and. You know, that this is what the church is doing, growing deep in its love and reaching and making a difference for the kingdom. That this is a healthy church. This is a way, you know, God has designed a church to operate. It's the unstoppable church. In Matthew 22, it's not really a, a real comfortable portion of, of Scripture. Uh, it's actually one of these times where the Pharisees and the Sadducees are going back and forth to test or trap Jesus. And, uh, you know, yeah, I don't know, have you ever done that? Have you ever walked into a room and you happened upon a very uncomfortable conversation and so you just kind of turned and walked back out, you know? I, I wonder if the disciples maybe felt that sometimes when the Pharisees, you know, were coming at Jesus or the Sadducees were coming at Jesus. So Matthew 22, one of the first things is... You know, they talk about, you know, what about, uh, you know, paying our taxes or, you know, giving to the church? You know, how is it that we're supposed to do it? And what does Jesus say? He goes, give to Caesar what is Caesar and gives to God what is God? You know, thinking they had him, you know, trapped that either he was going to offend, you know, the people of the church, you know, the Jewish faith, or he was going to offend Caesar. You know, Jesus was going to be in trouble on this one. And Jesus says, no, no, no. What we're supposed to do in the world, we take care of that and do it. What we're supposed to do for God, we take care of it and do it. So then the Sadducees come. Now, the Sadducees was another sect uh, of the Jewish faith. They were very big on um, uh, you know, just kind of, they were, some of them were part of kind of the, the ruling class of it. 
Uh, but one of the things about the Sadducees is that they didn't believe uh, in the resurrection. Uh, you know, and so they come and test Jesus, you know, to say, okay, about this resurrection thing, you know, what if there's a woman who, you know, marries and then, you know, has to marry again and marry again and they're all brothers, you know. Like, what does that look like in heaven? You know, and Jesus says, boy, you know, my, my concern really is, you know, it's the living, it's not the dead, you know. Jesus says, I, I can't believe that you, you guys miss this idea of the resurrection. I mean, this is going to be glorious, the afterlife that I have planned and how this is all going to come together and be culminated, right? I mean, you know, death is not the finish, but rather it is this gift of eternal life, this resurrection that I've come to bring, this new life after this one. And he says to the Sadducees, really, I don't know how, but you guys miss it. And he ends up silencing them. So that brings us to the, the scripture here. Um, it says in verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And so here you have, you know, this, the Sadducees have kind of been, been silent, you know, after he says, like, you know, I can't believe you don't believe in the resurrection. Probably the other people are like, yeah, what's wrong with you guys, you know? And so they're kind of clamming up. And so the Pharisees are like, all right, all right, you know, we're going to take another shot. We got it. You know, we're going to bring, you know, one of our top, top guys in. And so Jesus, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, the Pharisees uh, actually had... Um, you know, along with the commandment we talk about today, another 613 laws that they made a part of their faith. Uh, there's actually about 247 that are kind of a negative and then all the rest of the positive, meaning, you know, what you're not supposed to do and what you are supposed to do. Now, the Pharisees had real difficulties in, in two main areas. And I, and I know that I'm going to kind of talk about them briefly and define them rather simply. There's a lot more to it. But the Pharisees really struggled in two areas. One was with legalism. They, they, were, they had this very uh, excessive kind of focus upon the rules and the laws. You know, like they were just like they held them up so high and, you know, they were just, just obsessed with them. You know, and, and they had this legalism that you had to do this and do that and do this and do that and make sure that you did it. But then the other problem that the Pharisees had was really of hypocrisy where they talked a lot about, you know, believing in God and following in God. But at times, didn't live it a whole lot. <laughs> you know, when I, when I was very first a Christian, I started reading, especially in the Gospels, I thought, oh, these Pharisees, ugh, you know, like how messed up are they? <laughs> but then I realized, you know, as I kind of continue on in the Christian faith, is that, you know, how messed up am I, you know? Um, I mean, isn't that the great temptation for us, right? Is, is to become legalist. Is to think that our faith is about what we do and kind of keeping some rules. You know, making sure that, you know, we follow this rule and we don't do this and we do this. I mean, yeah, it's important, but, but it can't be all about the rules, right? But the other thing, too, is that we don't want to fall into that temptation, of talking a lot about our faith, but actually really just going through the motions, right? Of really not living it or being a different person at church than, than maybe we are at other places. And so, you know, these, you know, 
what we saw in the Pharisees, they're the great temptations for us as Christians. Because one of the things we know is that God's saying it's not about the rules. And it's not about living your faith sometimes and not others. And what's really important is what Jesus has to share and to say. And that is, it's about this core of loving God. It's about a relationship that God is after and is excited about and sharing with us. So that brings us to point number two and to this question, which is the greatest commandment. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now, it's so interesting that the Pharisees thought that since there's 613 rules, they basically wanted all of them to be even. They thought for sure, you know, Jesus was going to fall into this trap. But he doesn't, you know. He, he ends up stating what is known as the Shema text. It's in Deuteronomy 6, 5. And in fact, devout Jewish people recite it twice every day. And so here Jesus says, no. He goes, I understand there's 612 others. But you've got to get this one right. Because this one is the core. Love the Lord your God. With all your heart. And with all your soul. And with all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. Like, that's the core of this. You can't worry about rules. You have to love the Lord. You have to let your life kind of, you know, live out of that kind of love. And allow your behaviors to kind of, you know, be reflected out of that love that you have for God. Right? It can't be always about what you're doing and can't do and don't do. You know, it's about our love for God and how do we live it and express it and, you know, work it out in our lives. The other thing is, is that loving the Lord, our God, it helps us with that sense of, you know, being a Christian sometimes and not others. Or maybe in some settings and not others, right? This having this love for God helps us to live one life before Him. Helps us to empower, to live the same, be the same person wherever we go. And just let the love of God, you know, come out of us. The thing that what um, Jesus really wants us to help us to understand is to love the Lord your God, right? Saying, look, this is who it is, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We're not going to add lots of other gods from lots of other lands. We're not going to have a God of fields and gods of water. You know, sometimes they had, you know, gods that came from all different kinds of places. You know, he says, listen, this is who it is, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They've existed in relationship with each other, and we're being invited into that relationship, that love relationship. He then says, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. You might be thinking, okay, didn't I read somewhere else that it's all your strength too? (laughs) It is. You know, it kind of depends on where the gospel writer kind of gets their sources. But, But let's just say this, is that what Jesus is trying to say is that this is the greatest commandment, to love God with all you have and all you are. That's what he wants. He wants you to utilize your mind and your body and your will and your heart and the soul of who you are and to love him back. That's what he's going after. This is the greatest commandment, to love God with everything you are. How is that even possible? It's because God loves us the same way. He loves us with everything he is. You know what I beautifully love about the scriptures is that I don't, 
I've, I've never seen a place where God calls us to do something that he hasn't already done or shown us how to do it, right? You know? Or he says, forgive as Christ has forgiven you, right? So he, he doesn't ask us for this extra or extraordinary amount of forgiveness. He doesn't say, I'm going to forgive you a little bit, but you've got to forgive a lot. No, God says, I forgive lots, and I want you to forgive lots too. And it's the same way God says, I love you with all I am. I mean, we know in Scripture, right, that the Father's love is so great that he sent the Son. Jesus' love for us is so great that he went to the cross for us. I mean, that was everything, wasn't it? The Holy Spirit's love is so great for us that he continually reminds us that we are children of God. And so God, who infinitely loves us with all of who he is, asks us to love him back in the same. And so therefore, we always fall short in that formula, but that's okay. (laughs) We don't have to worry about that. We're not trying to match God's love. All we're trying to do is to say, how is it that I can love God with every part of my life, with all of my thoughts, with all of my motivations, with, you know, just, just everything about me, loving God back. This is what he has asked us. And then he says, and the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, so you're talking about, okay, well, we got to love ourselves. Now, that doesn't mean we're kind of going in the mirror in the morning saying, woo, I'm handsome. You know, I, whew, you know, I'm beautiful, you know. <laughs> no, it's not that kind of thing, you know. So um, if that is something you do on a regular basis, maybe we want to talk, though. <laughs> no, um, but, uh, you know, it's not, not really so much like a, a love of ourselves, you know, kind of a thing. When I, when I think about this, like, how is it that we understand it? Love your neighbor as yourself. He actually includes this in Leviticus a couple of times. So these are not even new words that Jesus is speaking. But let's think about it for just a little bit. The way that we kind of love and care, you know, for ourselves, sometimes I think in a very practical kind of way. You know, like, like maybe even now, like your stomach is starting to growl a little bit. I don't mean to, you know, diverse here, but, you know, maybe some of you even right now are thinking about where you're going for lunch, what you're doing for lunch, you know, what you're grilling for lunch. Maybe, right? I mean, you're going to be hungry a little bit later on today. There's a really good chance that you're going to eat something. You're not going to say, oh, I'm hungry, but no, you're not going to take care of that, right? But, but what do we do? We take care of it. Maybe some of us has been a, like a long, long weekend and like a two hour nap is really what we're needing. And, uh, you know, maybe some of you are saying, I'm really looking forward to that. That's the way you kind of care and you love for yourself. And sometimes I think very similarly that God is asking us to love our neighbor as ourselves and just kind of take care of others in these same kind of practical ways. Do you remember the parable in Matthew 25? We're not going to go all through it, but it's basically a parable of separating the sheep and the goats. Remember what Jesus says there? about loving other people, right? I mean, the way that he's separating the people, he's saying like, you know, when I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was tired, you know, you, you, you took me in. When I was in prison, you came and you visited me. And you did these things in Jesus' name. I think when we're talking about loving our neighbors ourselves is that, you know, we don't have to say, you know, Jesus didn't say like, you gave me a million dollars, you know? He says, no, no, no. When you saw needs, you met it. And when those needs were around you, you took care of them. And so look after people in that same kind of way. I don't know if you know a whole lot about, you know, our particular story. 
Um, Because I kind of think about it in this way, too. Is that, um, I know, they published it a few years ago in the Wesleyan Life, just kind of Tammy and I's story and journey through ministry. And so there was a time that I was on staff at a church and and began to kind of wrestle with a call to start a new church. And uh, and so, you know, really was wrestling with God um, over, you know, a number of months on this. And then all of a sudden, I, I remember exactly where I was. I, I was in a hotel room because I was at a conference in Los Angeles. And I can't remember what the hotel was, but I know that I could look out the window and see LAX, you know. So, so I knew that's, you know, where I was in this particular moment. And so for six months, we've been going back and forth. I've been wrestling with God on this, on whether to follow this call in my life. And then finally, you know, I, I wrote down just in my notes, like, you know, why, why won't you start a new church? And then finally, just, just kind of like praying and, and journaling at the same time. I mean, that's sometimes when God like gives some of his greatest revelations, right? It's just when we're praying and journaling. And then all of a sudden, what I wrote in that moment was, I said, I, I can't do this because I don't love people like you love people. And uh, I just, I remember that moment, like tears just started come into my eyes and then coming down my face. And it was a moment of breakthrough for me. And I realized that that was the moment that that's what God was calling me to do. And so I think, you know, if you're looking at love your neighbor as yourself, maybe another way we can kind of think about it is that can we love people the way that God loves people? Now, that moment was probably about 19 years ago in my life. And God, numerous times, has brought me back to that point, sitting at that desk in that hotel room with LAX out the window. It just has encouraged me and challenged me to love people as God would love people. You know, I think when you work together, you kind of consider that, right? And as you would commit as a church that we might love people as God loves people. That, to me, is a great definition of an unstoppable church. That God would keep leading us and bringing us to that call of loving people as God loves the church. And then, finally, number three is the summary. It says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You know, what I love about this is that this is a test or a trap to see which one of the 613 is he going to put above the, all the others, right? <laughs> and Jesus doubles down in it. He goes, no, 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 there's, there's one. It's love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says, in fact, everything else hangs on that one. <laughs> you know, is there one above all others? Yes. In fact, all the rest of them are carried through with this. And so I just wrote quickly, let's think for a moment about the Ten Commandments. Right? Put no other gods before me. Is he covering it there? Sure. Love the Lord with all that you have. Don't worship, you know, images of me. But love me, is what God has said. Don't ascribe to things, you know. Don't use my name in vain, right? He says, no, don't do that. Just, just love me. And then we think about the other ones here, right? Honor your father and mother. That's about loving others. Not murdering, not stealing, not bearing false witness, covering na- coveting a neighbor's wife. Covering a neighbor's stuff, right? That's loving other people as we love ourselves or loving other people as God has called us to love and how God loves other people. 
This is what he's called us to. This is the core of it. This is how we don't get off track on our Christian life as we love God with all that we have and we love our neighbors as God loves them. Um, I would put it this way, is that uh, the reason I really like our tree diagram is because this is what we know, is that this life comes down to a final test. That this life comes to that point where we stand before the Lord. Now, I will tell you, one of the most frustrating things for me when I was a student was when a teacher would tell me what's on the test and kind of outline that for me and I would study that material. But then I would get to the test and the test would have all this stuff, but then a whole lot more that I didn't study, you know? And I'd be like, oh man, I missed it. I didn't pass the test, you know. Well, Jesus, I think, has given us that test. He has asked us to make disciples, to go and to baptize and to teach. And he has promised to be with us on that journey. That's what we looked at last week in Matthew 28. And then this week, Jesus says, Love the Lord thy God with all you have. That's the test. That's what he's called us to. That's what Jesus wants our lives to point towards. It's that time that we will be before him. And he will say, how did you do in making disciples and loving me and loving others? That's the test at the end. That needs to be our focus. That needs to be how we move forward. Let us pray together. Lord, I, I, in this moment, I'm just so grateful. I'm grateful that you are a God that hasn't, hasn't given us 613 laws. That you don't change the questions, you don't change the answers, you're not playing any games. You've called us to love you with all we have and to love others. And you've called us to make disciples. God, I pray that we would so position our lives to get that accomplished. That you would help us for that to be the focus. So that, Lord, we don't stand before you with lots of excuses or lots of regrets. That Lord, you would help us to pass this test with flying colors, to love you with all that we have, to love others as you love them, Lord, to make disciples with our lives, to reach others for your kingdom. God, would you empower us in this? We want to join with you on this journey and agenda for your kingdom. God, we want to join you in what you are already doing in the Lehigh Valley. Lord, help us in whatever way to help us get out of the way and just participate fully in what you already are doing in advancing the kingdom. God, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity to worship you. We thank you, Lord, 
for your great and incredible love for us that really our love for you is in response to that. And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name that